Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It is the Wednesday of LSU week. It is the Built by Bama online podcast. Specifically, it is T. Watts and T.R. as we creep closer to a top three matchup between the LSU Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide set for Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. I'm Travis Ryer, joined on T. Watts and T.R. by, of course, T. Watts, Tim Watts. Tim, how are we doing? Good, man, good. I know we've been waiting all year, sort of circled this game early early on. Um, I think it's a safe bet. This is always going to be a fantastic game, and certainly both teams have lived up to their 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 billing and uh, looking forward to getting this thing over with. Yeah, getting it over with for sure. It's almost one of those games in which you get the feeling that it's going to be more of a relief, uh, maybe more so for the Alabama fan base. Eight straight wins for the Crimson Tide in this series, as we know, but I'll tell you what, man, with some of this bravado, Tim, and this confidence that we're hearing from Baton Rouge, if it doesn't happen this time for Ed Orgeron and the Tigers, I, I mean, we're, we may need padded walls and things for, for the LSU fan. I mean, they, if, they're, if they're not truly believing it this time, they're, they're faking it pretty good, Tim, because it almost feels like from the LSU perspective, hearing what you hear come from down there, and, and it's not the first time. I and mean, we've heard this in yeah, plenty of the other years. Heard it last year. Yeah, it, it's almost as if this thing's preordained on Saturday, Tim. That yeah, you know that's you know you got when you're facing in Alabama. I don't, I don't think you can, or you know anybody that's considered a dynasty or a monster team. I don't think you can limp into it. You know, I think you got to give some credit. Orgeron is definitely one of those guys who's full of you know, full of that let's go, that pep guy. I think we all know that. So I think that rubs off on his team a little bit. LSU's got some good players. It's different, obviously, than it is at Alabama. Nick Saban would never let, you know, turn some of his players loose. You know, he's all about, you know, uh, you know, keeping it clean. Don't give them bullet board, bulletin board material. But, you know, LSU's always been a, you know, a team that would, would, you know, chat a little bit and get it going and have some confidence. So there's always some gamesmanship here. Yeah, that that's part of the culture down there too, right? I mean, it, it extends beyond football. I mean, it's a gregarious culture, I guess you could it, say. It is. I mean, you go down there and the it's a different world. I mean, you know, our family goes to New Orleans often. I've been to Baton Rouge a few times, and it's just a different world with the, you know, from the food to the people to the dress, everything is just a different world. It's very unique. So, I mean, it doesn't really surprise me. I don't think it bothers anybody. I mean, this is part of the game is is, you know, people talking. And, you know, people talking on Twitter means nothing. I mean, Alabama's faced a, a lot of teams that talked before they beat them, so um, before Alabama beat them. So, you know, this this I think this is expected and probably enjoyed by both sides, to be honest with you. Yeah, loud and proud. That yeah. pretty much sums up the culture, I would say, uh, down there in the great state of Louisiana. Um, we had the college football playoff rankings. We'll get more into Alabama LSU coming up here in just a minute, but it's certainly relative because LSU checked in at number two in Tuesday night's initial release of the 2009 college football playoff rankings. 
LSU behind number one, Ohio State, Alabama at number three, Penn State at number four. Bit of a surprise there, I would say, with Clemson at number five. What was your interest level going into that release uh, on Tuesday night, Tim? Or no interest. I mean, yeah. it's there's so much it has to play itself out. I mean, there's a curiosity there. I was watching the Bama basketball game um, uh, when that when that was going on, so it wasn't a huge deal. I was surprised LSU wasn't number one. I sort of feel like they've earned it. They've got two pretty good wins. I know Texas is turning out not to be a, <clears throat> a 10 and two program, but it's still Texas on a neutral field. So that was a good win, and they beat Florida. So no, you know, no slight to Ohio State, who's you know certainly been an excellent football team and whipped a pretty good Wisconsin team pretty good. So mm-hmm. not surprised. I figured it was going to go LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson. So I'm a little surprised Clemson and Dabo's playing this up to the hilt. Believe you know you see it every day. Um, I don't think Dabo can play the underdog role much longer without looking like a crybaby, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah. they won two of the last three national championships. They're in the playoffs uh, every year. They got, you know, you know, they're they're going to have an unbelievable recruiting class. I get why he's mad. Don't get me wrong. I get well, you can't help who you play in the non-conference schedule. I get why he's mad. I definitely thought they were should have been a top four team. Yeah, and he's using it to his advantage with his players. You know, he's. He's using this uh, as he should with his players. And look, I think where Dabo's problem with it comes in is that, okay, if you want to have Alabama at this point ranked ahead of Clemson, Dabo's probably okay with that. I mean, he said it in the past. He refers to it as the Roy bus, the rest of y'all bus. Mm -hmm. It's Alabama and the rest of y'all. But I got to think some of this is authentic in terms of, you know, him being pissed. Because well, I, it's I, one thing for Alabama to be there, Tim. It's another to put Penn State ahead of him. That, yeah. That's probably the one that sticks in his crawl. I agree moment. with him. You know, we see this at Alabama, and it sounds sort of arrogant. You see this at a lot of big schools. Clemson kids are used to the big game now. They've got a yeah. taste. You know, they've got a they they've ate meat. They've got a taste. So it's hard to get up when you go to NC State. You know, it's hard to get up when you go to all those games, and they don't have a lot of non-conference games. Certainly, a talented football team um but they don't have a lot of you know you see that with alabama where they sort of will play in arkansas or somebody and not really play up to it well they you know kids don't come to alabama to play at fayetteville they come to alabama to play number one number two lsu uh, in a national game where you know everybody in the world is trying to find a ticket that's what alabama kids come uh come to alabama for and i think it's the same with clemson i think they're in a bad conference uh, that's not Clemson's fault. I don't think there's a lot of competition. Uh, that's certainly not Clemson's fault. I mean, Matt Brown ha- ha- is going to help the, help uh, that conference immensely. I think they're going to do a good job. And FSU's got a chance to hire somebody and actually make an impact because they could instantly become this, you know, the second or third best team in that conference. So none of that, like again, none of that's Clemson's fault. That's the conference they're in, and there's not a lot they can do about it. No, there isn't, and. You talk about that FSU job opening. We won't spend a lot of time on it. But I guess the big downside, if you're a potential candidate, especially someone that's in a pretty good place right now as a head coach, Tim, is that you're still going to be in that same division with Dabo and Clemson. You know, if FSU was in the other division, I think that job looks a a lot more attractive than it does uh, because you're in there with Dabo and – I think Scott Satterfield at Louisville, you know, coming in from Appalachian State, that program was in disarray at the end of the Bobby Petrino uh, stint there, the second stint for Petrino. 
those are things you probably got to consider too. I, I, I'll say this, and you tell me if you agree or not. I think that FSU job, we're already seeing it, is going to result in some lucrative extensions for some guys in some uh, other situations around college football. You know, I think what we're seeing is I think at the end of the day, you want a football coach. And there's a lot of flash guys. There's a lot of guys that talk a big game. And Willie Taggart was great on Twitter and building the hype and all that stuff. But when the guy's first job, one of his first things he does when he gets to campus is worry about the DJ. When his first open <laughs> practice or whatever is an hour late. I mean, those guys, you know, you, you, you know, you don't need a coach kissing every player before kickoff. You know, you no. need guys that can coach these guys. They don't all need buddies. They need football coaches. And I think you see that with Georgia. They got a football coach in Kirby Smart. Tennessee got a football coach in Jeremy Pruitt. Those guys go out and their their first goal is to win and make those kids a better, you know, better players and better people. So I don't I think it's hard, you know, some of these coaches and Florida State fell for it. Willie Taggart sounded good and looked good and was flashy, but just never caught wind. But you make a great point. Whoever takes a Florida State job, it's not they're not gonna turn this around next year. Their offensive line is in a bad, you know, in a bad way. Cam Akers is most likely going pro, I imagine. He's a fantastic prospect, uh, NFL prospect, in my opinion. So they're 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 going to be chasing Clemson four class, you know, they're four classes behind against Clemson. Yeah, that's a tough, tough that, place that, to be. Tough, yes, absolutely. With where Dabo's got that thing up there in the Upstate of South Carolina. Speaking of Kirby Smart, who you just mentioned here, and obviously with Ed Orgeron. And what he's done since replacing Les Miles down at LSU. Topic I wanted to hit on today is you know, the Alabama dynasty. And between Orgeron at LSU and Kirby at Georgia, kind of who represents the biggest threat to the Saban dynasty at UA? And maybe it's another program that we're not talking about. Maybe another one even within the Southeastern Conference. And so when you look at LSU under Orgeron right now, oh, oh and four all time versus Nick Saban as a head coach. Kirby, as we know, oh and two now after back to back losses uh, the, the last two seasons. As those two programs sit there today, Tim, would you give one an edge over the other in terms of that race to supplant Alabama, or do you kind of see them as equals? I still think it's Georgia. Because they're in the East and, you know, Kirby's the head coach. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from Ed Orgeron, but he's got two of the best coordinators. Well, if you count Joe Joe Brady as a, a, a coordinator, the passing coordinator, they got Joe Brady and Arenado who are basically, I mean, they're head coaches in waitings in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Those guys are just two of the best coordinators in the business. So it's a little bit different for me because Kirby's always going to be Kirby and running that program. I think that the thing I respect the most about Orgeron is, you know, you – Guys who are in charge often struggle with people getting credit. They don't want other people. They want all the credit. But Orgeron has not done that. He's hired a terrific uh, – you know, Joe Brady has got all the credit for this LSU football team. I think we uh, agree with that. And he's done a great job. I mean, looking at what he's done, sure. a hot name. I don't even know if he's 30 years old. But, I mean, the kid has done a fantastic job, and he's a hot name. I think LSU's always going to be good. Um regardless because Louisiana is so fertile. They recruit so well. They dip into Texas. I can't recall a time since Saban was there where they haven't had success recruiting, including this year. So I think LSU is always going to be good. But Kirby's more like Saban. He's sort of building a similar program to, to Saban. He hasn't turned that corner, you know, and you have to wonder, uh, you know, what Georgia would be like with Justin Fields right now. I know Fromm's not a bad quarterback, but Justin Fields is a little bit different 
um, adds a little bit of that running game, a little bit of that change of change of aspect where he's, uh, you know, can beat him with their legs. So, I, you know, I still think it's Georgia. I think Georgia is going to be super competitive with Alabama. I think there's a grudge, you know, a little bit of a grudge match between the two, but certainly LSU is a top 10 program. Yeah, it's a good point about the coordinator situation at both places because, as we know, Kirby had to replace both of his guys after the 2018 season. Mel Tucker took the head coaching position at the University of Colorado. Jim Chaney goes back to Tennessee. Kirby with a couple of internal hires there on both sides of the ball. Uh, And you're right. I mean, Orgeron really, from what I recall, a big part of his campaign for that job at LSU on a full-time basis was that, look, I'll take less money too. And we can put more into the assistant coaching pool and bring in the very best guys we can keep Dave Aranda, who you're right. You would think here in the very near future is going to be a head coach. And it kind of leads into a question from our mailbag this week there on the BamaOnline.com roundtable. Bama man for JC asks, what do we think the odds are that Joe Brady will still be in that position as passing game coordinator at LSU this time next season? Is he a one and done in your opinion, Tim? Do you think he's a head coach as as soon as the 2020 season, perhaps? Or he's at least a stand. Here's the thing about Joe Brady. He's not the standalone offensive coordinator, at least not in title. You know, you still got Steve Insminger in that spot. I think that Brady's going to have to be offered that LSU OC job. I don't see any way you can just let him walk. So I think that's going to be an option. Um, I know there's been some discussions of possibly M's finger retiring or moving into the front office. I don't cover LSU, but I've heard those rumors. So I would think they definitely, this is a chance where you have, you, you know, you, you don't want to lose this guy. Um, but as far as the head coach, he doesn't have a ton of experience, but you know, the thing I'm seeing with coaches now they're going, you know, like the Arizona Cardinals. They're going for a guy they think can win. They're not so worried about his record or his situation and all. And they're looking for somebody that can move the ball and be creative. And I think this guy certainly falls in that category. But I wouldn't imagine for a second this guy doesn't have a ton of options. Yeah, you know, Ensminger's the kind of guy, too. And I think his relationship with Orgeron is such that he would be open to taking a change in title. You know, like a assistant head coach, uh, and you know, head coach on the, of offense, anything that's really just semantics uh, that really relates more to a pay scale, um, you know, involvement there with that coaching staff, and then perhaps Brady, if he stays for a second year, takes on that full blown OC tag for the Tigers in 2020. We'll see. It'll be interesting, uh, but we still got a lot of football to play. As we know, yeah, you know, it's a tough call for me, Tim, in terms of LSU and O or Kirby and in Georgia. Here's what I like about Kirby. Kirby doesn't have to go through Alabama every year. You know, obviously next year here in Tuscaloosa, Georgia is going to pay one of those very rare visits uh, to Bryant-Denny Stadium. So we'll have Georgia-Alabama in the regular season next season. But, you know, Kirby kind of has that luxury over in the East that, and pretty much every year, he's going to be able to keep Alabama over there in the West until it comes time for Atlanta. Whereas, oh, each and every year, man, each and every year, O's going to have to deal with Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson side. Uh, Tim, as we move forward here on T. Watts and TR as a part of the Built by Bama online podcast, uh, I wanted to talk, too, today about 
when you look at Saturday's matchup between LSU and Alabama, some of the guys for both teams that maybe got away in this rivalry, in other words, uh, more so from the the LSU perspective and and guys on this Alabama roster that, you know, Louisianans specifically that could be playing a role of some sort for the LSU Tigers. And I guess when you look at that, you got to start with Dylan Moses, although he's injured right now, out for the season. Uh, Devontae Smith at the wide receiver spot. Ismail Softshire most recently coming in as a defensive tackle who looks like he's going to redshirt in his first year. Um, wanted to get some backstory on some of those Louisiana guys. I know we did some of this on our last podcast as we sort of, uh, you know, reviewed all the Louisiana guys that have come through the Alabama program under Nick Saban. But when you look at current guys for Alabama from Louisiana on this Crimson Tide roster, you know, who kind of stands out to you among the battles that we've seen between these two teams on the recruiting trail? I think Smith probably is the biggest one right now. And, you know, his recruitment was really quiet. Uh, Alabama felt pretty good, I think, for most of the, the the cycle with him. I know LSU pushed for him pretty good. Oddly enough, you know, one of the biggest battles probably was Matt Womack. Uh, that was a heated little – the offensive lineman. That was a heated little debate and uh, back and forth, a big battle. I think he was only a three-star offensive lineman or or uh, maybe, you know, not as highly ranked, as high, not as highly profiled as Dylan or, or uh, Devonto was, but that was a big – you know, he did battle and he's committed to LSU for a while and then, you know, bounced around and and changed his mind at the last minute. There was some weird situation where he had signed a letter of intent. You remember that he'd signed that intent to sign or whatever it was. And LSU actually got in trouble for visiting him when he was committed after he flipped to Bama because they weren't allowed to see him or some crazy rule. So that was heated. You know, Pat Sertain, he's from South Florida, but mm-hmm. that was a great recruiting battle that went down to the wire. Um, Joe Panunzio, who's with the Eagles now, did a fantastic job on Pat. He was considered the number one defensive uh, back in the country, had strong connections to LSU. That Nick Saban got personally involved in that one and sort of flipped him. I mean, there's been there's been battles, you know, Sosfer and guys like that. It's not hadn't been nearly as dramatic, I think, as as we've seen as it used to be. I think LSU loses kids in the state of Louisiana now, but they also go to other places and get kids. So. Uh, they still battle. It's just not as much. You know, it's almost like Georgia. You know, everybody thinks Alabama and Georgia are going head to head all the time, and they're really not. Yeah, and it's interesting, I guess, from the LSU perspective, looking at guys that maybe Alabama targeted on the recruiting trail in the past. Is is, is it hard to find a couple of guys on this LSU roster right now, anyway? that Alabama was especially involved with, or sort of in a battle with LSU down the stretch to to bring to Tuscaloosa? No, I can't think of any offhand as far as impact guys. I think, you know, there's certainly guys Alabama would have would have liked to have been involved with. Stingley, obviously, he was the best cornerback in the country, and he's one of the best as a, a true freshman. There's certainly guys, but I don't I think Alabama's pretty smart at times. You know, I think one of the things that makes Nick Saban and most staff smart recruiting is they know when to, you know, they know when to hold them, they know when to fold them. Um, so if they're fighting a losing battle, don't feel they have a pretty good feel of not getting led all the way to national signing day. So not a lot of guys. I mean, there's certainly guys Alabama recruited and wanted on that team, but not a lot of guys that they were, they were beat on late. Yeah. We're going to preview what type of recruiting weekend we're in store for in Tuscaloosa right after this on T Watts and TR. 
Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Yeah, Tim, you can't help. It's sort of a secondary, I guess, storyline for the upcoming weekend in Tuscaloosa. But you can't ignore the fact, even with limited numbers remaining in this 2020 class for the Alabama Crimson Tide, still a who's who list of visitors, both officially and unofficially, uh, I guess, starting as early as Friday or so. Uh, Tim, what stands out to you among that visitor list that, that Alabama has lined up for the upcoming weekend? Well, as far as unofficial visitors go, the biggest one that's coming in will be uh, Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback, uh, top five overall player. A top overall, top five overall player, Bryce Young, will be coming in. And they have a lot of offensive guys coming in that they're targeting. Darnell Washington, who's a – this is an athlete. He's from Vegas. He's a five-star freaky kid. Could play tight end, could play defensive end. I think a lot of people like him at tight end. He's such a big target. He's coming in on official visit. Jace McClellan, who's a highly ranked, highly recruited uh, running back who's from Oklahoma. And the guy I'm most curious about is Arian Smith, who, you know, Alabama's going to have a good class regardless. But, you know, when I look at their wide receivers and they've got some good ones committed, Arian's got that elite type speed that Alabama sort of has now where you see, you know, you see Henry Ruggs. You know, it's fat. This guy's probably fast. You know, they're probably pretty close in speed uh, when it comes down to it. Arian's got legit track speed. So Bryce Young's going to be there helping them with the uh, with the official visits, which I think is huge. The guy's coming in from California. He's a very likable guy. And I'll tell you, I said this when he first committed. I don't think when he first committed, a lot of Southern kids really knew about him. He was committed to USC for a while. Um so I think, you know, they, they really didn't have a whole lot to do with Bryce. But I think there's been a filling out process since he's committed. And now you're seeing them tweet at each other. I know they're talking behind the scenes. So Bryce is having an impact where he's trying to help the staff. Yeah, it's it, when you put this weekend into perspective, we've both been around this long enough. And certainly you have in terms of covering Alabama recruiting on a day-to-day basis. Where do you kind of project it? To, to rank, not just because of the 2020 kids that are going to be here this weekend. I mean, I'm sure there's 2021. Is Drake May coming in again from North Carolina, the quarterback? He is. I mean, to be honest with you, there's no telling who shows up this weekend. I mean, I know we've got an extensive list already. You know, uh, Hank's got a list up now posted on the round table. And we've, you know, we've got a ton of guys and they're popping up daily who's coming. Probably almost everybody's trying to come. You know, you got that punter at the 4a school trying to sneak in as a recruit and i don't blame him so it's going to be a mess but yeah it's going to be hope as high profile as any class i've seen 
probably the biggest visitor weekend. You'll remember this is when Andre Smith, Tim Tebow, and those guys rolled yeah. into town that year. That was, uh, of course, that was a different time. Alabama wasn't used to hosting the number one quarterback and the number one offensive lineman. Now it's just sort of, you know, you know, they usually get them on campus at least once in every recruiting cycle. So it's going to be an intense. I mean, you add everything to this. This has got complete circus written on it um right which what we expect i mean you got basically most people consider the top two teams in the country or many do you got them playing you got the rivalry you know you got so much going on in this game it's going to be outstanding yeah you had a couple games back in that 2005 season didn't you you had florida here in tuscaloosa early and then you had the matchup with lsu late uh that ended up being that overtime loss for an undefeated alabama team uh, had a couple opportunities with Tebow and, as you said, Andre Smith. It, you know, this this kind of weekend, you know, if, if you're working in the recruiting office at a place like Alabama, it probably is like when you were 17 or 18 and your folks were out of town and you planned on just throwing that little house party, you know. You were just going to have maybe seven or eight pals and people over, friends. And the next thing you know, you've got a live band playing out by the pool out back and there's 200 people. In the you, house. Just, you just described every party my <laughs> freshman in college ever threw. It started every time with, "Hey, can I have a few?" Just a little get together. Yeah, just hey, a little get together. Can I have a few We have a little, we have a little sports den downstairs with three teams. Yeah. Can I have a few people over? How many is a few? <laughs> Eight to twelve. And then I look up. It's forty-five deep. People stand the drive. Bryce and what happened? Uh, I, I sent it out on my story. I Snapchatted it. <laughs> so you invited the whole everybody that follows you. You invited. All righty. So yes, that that's that's what it's like. We knew it was going to be big. Um, you know that nine to six game. Wasn't Derek Jeter there, or was it A Rod? Somebody. Yeah. Before, yeah. Somebody. It, I mean, seems like uh, the, was LeBron. Was LeBron there? I think. Was the, the 2011 game? LeBron may have been in town for that one. Got Kraft, was was Kraft there for that game too? Who knows, man? It's a, it's, I get, I get drunk. Yeah, it drives. It's like that two pound bass you caught twenty years ago, and now it's nine pounds. You know, yeah. it's like it, your it, church it's, basketball stats. <laughs> average, you average six and three, and now you're it's almost a double double. You calling me a liar, Tim? When it comes to my church league basketball career, I mean, I'm I was, saying, I was certainly a, I was a career tri- triple double guy. I'm, no I mess around. Every- Every Nobody night had a call triple you double. a liar as long as you exaggerate their stats with them. That's every guy's story. Travis scored 40. I scored 33. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, Tim, as we have a little fun here, as we wind down on this latest edition of the T. Watts and TR podcast as a part of the Built by Bama online podcast here that we do, um, wanted to ask you a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, We've got birthday. It's I don't know about you, man, but for our family, it's like birthday season coming up, including mine next month in late December. And with that, it, it always seems to come down in our family anyway to kind of where do you want to go for dinner for your birthday? Do you have a favorite birthday dinner spot or maybe just a type of food that you prefer on your birthday? How, how does that work for, for you, Tim? We have a little restaurant called Del Toro in Alabaster, and that's pretty much my go-to, regardless of how I'm, whether I'm trying to eat right or eat wrong. I always go to that. It's a fail-safe. Now, we're in the same boat as you, me and my oldest son. We're both December birthdays. The other ones, the other three kids all happen in late May to June, and we're usually somewhere cool for their birthday. 
but for me it's mexican i like i like i like uh i love their nachos yeah. they're covered in jalapenos um it just relaxes and makes me you know not give a crap about what happens that day where's you know, we we're, we're we're hibachi man we're big hibachi or we have been in the past we've kind of transitioned more to sushi i would say uh for birthday but yeah, the, the three of ours have grown up as pretty much hibachi kids. Uh, where do you stand on hibachi? Or, or, and let me ask you this. When it comes to the hibachi experience, are you an active participant in the show? In other words, do you clap? Do you really get into it with the chef? Are you willing to catch that shrimp tail or maybe that discarded piece of chicken when it comes time for, for the flip? Well, we have a good one. We have a place down here called Mizu, and the family loves it. I never really get the shrimp tossed to me. I'm with four <laughs> kids and my wife. I'm the literally they'd have to cut six to even consider me to toss me that tail. I love the show. I used to love it. My youngest son used to be scared of that little. I don't know if yours does it, but they do that onion ring pyramid. Then they light it on fire. Do oh yeah, the, ch- yeah, the choo choo well, train. Yes, yeah. they do that. Volcano. Yes, yeah, and every time that flame came up for years, he would flinch back like it was going to get him. So we love it. You know, we get we we uh I would eat the shrimp if it's tossed to me. I'd, I'd like it, actually. But one of the kids usually hogs that thing. Yeah. You know, our youngest still has PTSD from that uh, flame thing. You know, she's 17 now, man. And, you know, when she was little, when she was just a baby, she didn't appreciate that whole flame thing. And, and even today, she'll you know take a kind of little bit of a step back. You know, I, I like the show and, and I and I'm OK. Yeah, look. I'm not a great team player when it comes to the hibachi. You know, I know everybody's into it. Everybody's trying to make the catch, you know, with the with the yeah. chicken and the shrimp. And I'll do it, but it's more of kind of a, yeah, 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 just keep, you know, where's my fried rice? You know, where's my fried rice, Iron Chef? Just go ahead and shovel it. And let me ask you this. Are you, are you a guy that can keep pace with Iron Chef as he shovels the food from the flat top? onto your plate or do you wait until it's all on the plate and then you consume it i try to wait i don't know why i don't know if it's being there that makes me feel like i'm starving or if i'm actually only going there when i'm starving but it's hard when that rice hits the plate i usually try to light it to to let it all get on the plate but i'll take some nibbles here i'll take some bites but i do like to mix the rice with the meat um don't like to just wolf down the whole rice though what about the shrimp what about the shrimp sauce you gotta have the uh yum yum sauce or what is that the orange one? Which one's the shrimp? Yeah, it's the yellowish orange. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like I like the shrimp sauce. I don't have to have it, but I do like okay. it. Um, I like it more with steak than chicken for some reason. Yeah, I like it on both. I like it on the fried rice. I'm that guy. I'm uh, the guy that never the poor, tried that. that the, yeah, try it. Trust I'm me, I, I eat it on everything. I'm the I'm the guy that the poor iron chef has to sort of interrupt the show constantly to keep refilling my little <laughs> canister there of, of yum yum. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy for sure. Uh, what about, as we wrap up here, your favorite vacation destination for Casa de Watts, for the fam? What What is it for you maybe personally? What do you like from maybe a, a family perspective? You know, it's always been, for us, it's always been New Orleans. I mean, it's destined for the beach. We love Destin. New Orleans, we love. We're pelicans and saints fans so we you know we love the city we love the food we love the don't have to drive a car we just park and walk so we love new orleans but we went to new york city the last two years for a, a week at a time and and and, and I, don't, I can't find any complaints with new york i didn't expect that you know we you know i grew up like you did i grew up on the you know watching the mean street scorsese had me scared <laughs> to go to new york 
So when I finally went to New York, I was, you know, I was closing in on 50. I go to New York and I'm like, wait a minute, where's Christopher Walken? Where's all these gangsters? I got all these nice mm-hmm. people. It's clean. It's safe. I've never had a concern once in my life. And obviously they've, they've cleaned the city up. So, I, you know, I'm a big fan of New York though. I could go there, but I'd never, I could never go in the winter. Yeah. It's I tough. I don't care how big that tree is or how pretty it is. I can see, <laughs> I got HD TV. I'll see it there. That's too cold. Yeah. One trip we took as a family to New York, I booked us in an apartment in Brooklyn, Tim. We oh, went, wow. we went local style. Yeah. Got we had it. done, we had done Times Square and some of that stuff a time or two. And I said, look, this time we're going to get into the fabric of the city. So I found this little apartment in, uh, in Brooklyn, which is, look, Brooklyn these days is hipsters and trendy and all those things. So, you know, I put us in a, uh, a little apartment right there in Brooklyn, and it was awesome. We had a good time. I'm more of a Chicago guy. We've talked about that in the past. If I can, if I can pick one metropolitan city in, in the in the United States, I'm probably going to Chicago. And we're a beach fam, too. We've been going down to actually on the Atlantic coast, Crescent Beach, Florida. It's just south of St. Augustine there over on the East Coast. And uh, your guy, Stephen Orr Spurrier, has a beach house about, I don't know, a couple hundred yards from the the condos where we, we right. usually post up. Yeah. You know, you know, the thing about Brooklyn, we spent the first trip. We never made it there. The, the second trip, we spent a day there. We went and did Coney Island. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I hear a lot of people criticize it cause it's, it was awesome. It's It's great. It's fan. It's a carnival. Yeah. You're supposed to smell corn dogs, right? You know, you're Funnel supposed cakes. to have, you know, you're supposed to have a, a roller coaster. That's very well could break your back as long as you know make you, make, you know you're supposed that's that's part of the ride and we had a place over there called Roberta's Pizza that was just the, just the, just the setting the pizza yeah. I mean they it was just it's very unique and me being a Southern boy my whole life I'm like hey let's go over and see Brooklyn one day it shouldn't take long I didn't know it was like the fourth biggest city in the world or something yeah I mean it is a mass oh my gosh the the size of that now we did when we were riding over. I saw the cemetery from the Godfather. Yeah. They were very, very in veto and I lost my mind. <laughs> I was like, Oh, Oh, wait, wait, I've seen it. It was the, it was where Michael and them, you know, the, you know, uh, what's his name? Betrayed Michael told him we wanted to meet old fish from, uh, Barney Miller, whatever his name yeah. was, you know, Abe, that Abe Vigoda. Yeah. Yes. Abe Vigoda. Sally. Yeah. Sally. Yeah, Sally. And he asked, he asked Tom Hagen's if Tom yeah. Hagen, if he could get him off the, the hook. For old time's yeah, sake. For old time's sake. Tom said, can't do it, Sally. Yeah, can't but do I don't it. think you can go wrong. Yeah, the beach is good. Um, we're going as a family. We're taking our first European trip. We're going Griswold nice. style to London, Amsterdam, and Paris um, in May. I'll have all four kids will be teenagers. It'll be the only year. So I've decided to take them and see if I can lose a couple of them over there. And Be careful in Amsterdam. You know, with the older kids, but uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Believe I, I can, me, I can He's see you in, I can see you in that rental car, Big Ben Parliament, as you can't get left, you know, in that roundabout. Oh, I won't drive. We went to Italy. <laughs> I never drove once. I just, I'm not. I certainly can't drive on the other side of the road. You know, Matthew Broderick ran into somebody and killed him over there. Yeah, he went. Yeah. He was supposed to be on the other side of the road. And he actually went to the American side. So I've, there's no chance of me driving. Yeah, absolutely. It wouldn't be for me either. No, I couldn't handle it. Well, I think we've got it covered, Tim. 
uh, on the latest edition of the T. Watson TR podcast. Uh, by the way, if you haven't subscribed to the Built by Bama online podcast, which is home to all of these uh, that we do here uh, as the BOL staff, we would love if you would subscribe to the Built by Bama online podcast. Perhaps leave a review while you're there. It would be greatly appreciated. Well, Tim, as always, a lot of fun, my man. And uh, we'll do it again soon. We love it. I love it. We'll see you next week, man. Yeah, and you definitely need to stay tuned to BamaOnline.com throughout the week as we get you ready for Alabama LSU on Saturday. And again, as we outlined for you, a ton, a ton of recruiting buzz around this game as well. And that's subject to change, subject to grow as the days pass. For Tim Watts, Travis Ryer, the BamaOnline.com staff, thanks a lot. We'll do it again real soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.